Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. At the young age of 18, Kian Saville has had an incredibly challenging start to life. Eight years ago, investigations began into why he had started fitting. And what they discovered was life-changing. He was diagnosed with a brain tumour and neurofibromatosis type 2, a genetic condition that causes tumours to grow along the nerves. In Kian's case, he had tumours on his eye nerves, ears and spinal cord and subsequently ended up blind in one eye. Kian has undergone surgery to remove the brain tumour and is still undergoing regular chemotherapy. Coping with all of this has undoubtedly required incredible strength and bravery, but he hasn't allowed those huge hurdles to get in his way. Impressively, he represents Great Britain and the East Midlands region in the Para International Championships and World Para Series and is an ambassador for Birmingham Children's Hospital where he gives talks about his life experiences. His dream is to become a public speaker and share all of the things he's learned along the way. It gives me, and this is quite a humbling experience, great pleasure to introduce our guest today, Kian Saville. So once again, welcome to today's guest, the very remarkable Kian Saville. Kian, welcome. Hi. It's amazing, a real honour to have such a remarkable young man join us. And I can say, I can say young because I'm quite a bit old. <laughs> um, all my life, people have always called me a young, young man. And now it's my turn to get my own back. So um, yeah, it really is a, a, a privilege. We were introduced, weren't we? Um, not not very long ago. No. And when I heard your story, I thought I've got to have this young man on the Sandro Forte podcast. So you know how it works. Yeah. You are a listener yourself. Yeah, I am. Which is terrific. So let's just share a little bit about you with with our listeners because there's quite a few of them now. So um, we we know about your your challenges and they started at a very early age. Would you mind just sharing with us kind of what happened, when it happened? And I suppose most importantly, you know, how did you feel initially when you were given the diagnosis that you were? So from a very young age, I had already had a disability. So when I was born, I was born blind in my right eye. So I didn't always have the easiest start to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I kind of got used to it. Mum and dad got used to the fact that they would have to treat me slightly better, slightly easier. Um, and... When I was two, um, I had some heart condition uh, called uh, co-ortation on my aorta. Um, this was another big shock to the family. Obviously, when I was at that young age, I was still, as you do, spinning around in circles, having fun, joining life. Um, but it wasn't until um, September 2011 where things started to completely derail and... Um, I basically um, collapsed at home in my mum and dad's arms, uh, having a full 
epileptic fit. Um, we were told by numerous doctors that it was just a one-off. It wasn't going to happen again. Um, and it wasn't until I had a half half an hour fit in my sleep that actually it was decided that something needed to be done. And it was then discovered that I was found with a rare condition called neurofibromatosis type 2. Well, when I did the introduction today, as you know, I had an awful job saying yeah. that. You must have been practising that for, for an awful long time. Believe you me, the doctors, and this is a no, no word of a lie, the doctors made me, before I left that hospital when I was first diagnosed, they made me learn how to spell it, how to say it, and then I had to learn how to spell all my medication as well, wow. just in case I needed to learn it for medical forms or anything. Yeah. So... It was it was really funny to be fair. When Kim, when I first spoke to you about this this podcast interview, let's call it an interview. Um, one thing that strikes me, and and it strikes me now in in the short time we've been speaking, you come across as a very positive, upbeat young man, and I think you could be forgiven for being anything but positive, given <laughs> all you've been through. Um, I, I think what's also remarkable is you you know you've done your A levels. How did how did your your illness, your condition affect your schooling? I mean, clearly it had an impact, but to what extent? So basically what happened was is I obviously had to go to school each day as you would. Um, I wouldn't know by any means which days I would have a fit at school, which days I wouldn't have a fit at school. Um, But some days I would have one fit and I would have to go home because obviously the school don't have the insurance to keep me at school if something went wrong. Um, so I'd have to go home every time. But the the main big one was um, when they decided to operate on the epileptic tumour. Um, it was, I spent nine months off school and I just started my GCSE. So I had to really, really catch up um, obviously, it was a big shock to the system, but you got to keep on going. You got to keep on ticking over. And if if you just stop, then there's no point of living anymore. You've got to have that drive to keep you going, to keep on living as much as a normal life as possible. Because my life is far from normal. Yeah, it is. How do you how do you stay away from you know anger and frustration? There must be many many days where you ask yourself why me you know when we spoke on the phone initially um i was really captured by the fact that you didn't really seem to introduce any of that that, those feelings but there must be days where you wonder why me and and you know transitioning from there to the next day and, and just putting one foot in front of another oh yeah there's some big there's some days where i could be really low self esteem hitting rock bottom but I've also got to remember that what I have achieved in my life, some people have probably, what I've achieved so far in the 18 years, people probably haven't even accomplished in their whole life. And I've got to remember that from where I was to where I am now is absolutely remarkable. And how I got from there, from being this very ill child to where I am now, I don't even, I can't even explain how I've done that. Well, we'll try and coax that out of you. Yeah. In terms of where you are now, tell us, where are you now? Because you've got quite an impressive CV. Yeah. So basically, 
um, I am a swimmer, so I compete regularly. I train five times a week with um, my club, Damage Dolphins, um, and they're a massive family and support the whole way. And it, they are, they've been loving me ever since. And it's been great to have that kind of second family with all your teammates. Um, and it wasn't until the last couple of years that my success in swimming has been picked up. Uh, but I basically went to regionals and I won, um, I won my age group. I went to nationals um, in December and I only went and won a gold medal um, and came first in the whole of my age group um, for the whole of the country, in the whole of Great Britain, and then gone and won a bronze as well for another event. And I had never medaled at that event before. And also last year, I competed at the International Championships, which is the first time ever I've done that. And oh my God, the world stage is absolutely incredible to even be part of that that whole event was absolutely amazing but you didn't wake up one morning and thought you know think i want to be a swimmer where did have you always had a love of it is that something you've enjoyed since you were since you were a kid basically my mom and dad said that me and my sister we learned how to swim before we could even walk and it was all about we kind of like, as you would with your kids, you you take them swim lessons just so they know the skill. So if they got into trouble, they know how to get out of it. And then we were we were swimming one day, just having our usual swimming lesson on a Saturday morning. And um, a scout comes uh, for the club, Damage Dolphins, and speaks to mum and dad about my sister. Um, because my sister was actually quite a very strong swimmer from a very young age. I was a bit, I was a bit rocky to start off with, and then my kind of, I kind of built the, my way up. Um, and they said, "Oh, take your daughter to our uh, swim club, and we'll we'll give her a trial and see how she gets on." And what was funny is, mum and dad said, "Oh, Ken, why don't you get your swim shorts on and go and do some swimming?" And then I went to go, I went with my sister and I was waiting there whilst my sister did a trial and the coach came up to me and said, what, why, is that your little brother? And uh, she said, no, he's my older brother. And I was like, uh, so I was just standing there just, you know, in my swim shorts, minding my own business. And he said, right, come on, mate, let's, let's do a trial with you as well. So me and my sister both did a trial and that's how we got into the club. It was, and but literally, as soon as we started swimming, we haven't looked back. Wow. So you're talking about um, your second family. Oh, yeah. What about your first family? What about mum, dad, your sister? You know, do you, I've got five sisters. Yeah. Do you get on well with your sister? I do, to be fair. The, well, obviously... She's not listening if you're saying... Yeah, you're yeah. Obviously, we've got brother and sister. There's, there's always going to be a conflict, no matter what day, no matter what time, no matter, even over a, cho- a packet of chocolate biscuits, there's going to be a fight mm. for who has the last one. Um, but yeah, we, I do love my sister very much. And as much as she doesn't like to admit it, especially in front of people, I think she loves me as well, which you, is nice. Very nice. Yeah. Do you, talking about support, one, taking that one stage further. So well done, mum, dad, sister. Yeah. Uh, for all they've done to support you. But in terms of uh, support generally, do you think, without being too 
political about this. Do you yeah. think there is enough support in the UK for people with your kind of challenges? I think, to be honest, the in sport, there is a lot of organisations out there now that I've worked with to try and help make a difference. And ever since the... What basically happened was when we hit London 2012 and we started broadcasting the Paralympic Games, people started to open their eyes wider to realise actually there's athletes out there that could actually do good and they have a disability. They can go on and win golds and bronzes and silvers all across the country and still compete for us even though they have a disability. And I think that's what really opened people's eyes. And to be honest, apart from a few struggles that I would have with um, companies in terms of like, say, for example, the driving license company, um, DVLA, obviously they've got to do their job. They've got to check that you are medically fit to drive. Mm. Uh, But apart from that, we've had numerous organisations that have always been out there to try and help disability people or help people in general so i think it really all the organizations that are out there to help people are there and the support is there if people want to take advantage of it Mm. one thing i i find incredible about your approach to all of this is that you know you talk about the support you've received from others but you know you pass that on to others you're a swimming teacher for example i mean again you could be easily forgiven Kian, for sort of saying well i'm going to focus on me but you don't you give so much back to your community don't you yeah and you're an amb- ambassador for uh birmingham children's hospital yeah yeah so. um so that's how that's how we met because we met i met your associate yeah at, um the birmingham children's hospital christmas concert who contacted me and said you've got to <laughs> yeah this guy. He, he came up to me straight afterwards and he was like, you've got to get in contact with Sandro. <laughs> and I was like, how do I find his information? He said, literally Google it and it'll come up. Well, your mum's had like, a sneaky okay. peek, hasn't yeah, she? Mum's yeah. been doing a bit of... Uh, mum's been doing a bit of background research. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, you clearly enjoy what you do, you know, teaching youngsters the work you do for the children's hospital. Oh, yeah, lo- love it. Love it to bits because without the children's hospital... I don't think I would be at the position I am in today. The amount of support and everything that I got from them is absolutely unreal. And even like, so where I went into a hospital um, for the brain surgery and I had just woken up from my two day coma um, of which I basically, I woke up and I said to my mom, Mom, I really fancy a bacon sandwich. And she was a bit shocked that I said that. Um, and the nurse came around and she was like, so, Kim, what can I get you for breakfast? I said, could I have a bacon sandwich? Bearing in mind, I was only 13 years old. And she said, oh, OK. Um, she, she said, oh, I'm running to McDonald's to go and get everyone a McDonald's breakfast. What do you want? And literally 20 minutes later, there was a McDonald's breakfast sitting in front of me. I was like, this is amazing. It's absolutely brilliant. So even those little small little steps to just for them to just try and make hospital seem more like home or a bit less daunting is absolutely amazing. Kim, how do you earlier on you, you you mentioned the fact that you know there were there were dark days, there probably always will be, and there are for, for many of us. 
how do you what what strengths what experience do you call on to help you get through those moments do you have a routine do you uh, have a particular thought process do you do you resort to you know clinging to the people around you how, how do you get through those moments it's, you are a very positive upbeat bright young man well this is like an honor to hear this from especially someone like you but like the the thing that i look at is i treat every day like it's my last if i'm going to be down about something i need to make sure that by the end of the day i am back and uplifted so i finish out on a high and if that means i have to remember the achievements that i've done if i have to go and see a family member and go and see how they're doing or even surrounding myself with my teammates i that's that's what i have to do and it's that mentality of living each day like it's your last that keeps me pushing forward because each day you want to try and it's a bit of a, a confidence thing, but it's also that you want to try and beat your last day. So say, for example, like yesterday, um, I managed to finish on a high. I managed to um, go a new time um, at swimming and I managed to actually get some relaxation time from the weekend because I just competed. And it was nice to just have a bit of a break so today I obviously want to try and beat another time in training or to try and make my mentality better for today than it was yesterday. And if you keep on doing it that way, you kind of live in each day like it's your last and you won't have anything to regret. This, this is going to be a bit of a profound question now. Yeah. And I feel almost embarrassed to be asking an 18-year-old <laughs> this question. But what would you say is your definition of success? What is a successful outcome? Because a lot of people and think that success is about the money you've got in the bank it's about you know achieving a particular goal but it sounds to me as if it's much more than that for you you know you are constantly strive, striving to better yourself rather than other people yeah is that fair or that is that is a fair fair assumption um but my level of judging success is by the achievements that you've accomplished, not just on that day, on what you've accomplished over your life. So if you've gone and you've run a marathon, well done. Like I know some people that couldn't even run a marathon, even if they tried. And I know certainly some swimmers, we don't, we can't run, mar- we can't run completely, but we can swim pretty fast. And it's, it's not, the way of which you like you were saying it's not the way of which how much money you've got in the bank account or how much how many houses you have or anything like that it's about what your personal goals are and have you met them for that day and have you succeeded in what you wanted to to succeed in um because when i started swimming i always had a especially after london 2012 in the paralympic games i was adamant that I wanted to be at the Paralympics at some point in my life. And if that is me competing, brilliant. If it's me just simply going to watch the swimming, brilliant. Doesn't make a difference to me. All I know is in some point in my life, one of my goals that I know when I've truly succeeded and hit my peak is when I'm at the Paralympic Games. So let's just take a step back now yeah. and put all of this that you've just been saying into some kind of perspective. Now, 
I've introduced you, I've touched on a few of the things and challenges you faced. Just take us through, step by step, all the stuff. I call it stuff, that's being a bit disrespectful. The things that you've had to deal with since what? The age of 11? We're going back to when I was born. So, But the, but the fitting and the, yeah, and yeah. the, and the so issues that you became aware Basically of. what happened was after the kind of discovery period, because neurofibromatosis is that rare, when they actually discovered it in me, they only had one side of A4 piece of paper with information on, and that is it. There was nothing to do with it. And what happened was, is after that, they tried to control the fits using medication, um, which is any standard approach of a doctor. They don't really want to operate on you if they don't have to. Um, But after two years of trialling drugs and anything that could try and help me stop fitting, it was decided by the neurological team at Birmingham Children's Hospital that... We needed to sort the neurofibromatosis out more than the epilepsy side of things. So it was decided that because it would be too dangerous to operate on chemotherapy for the other tumours of the neurofibromatosis, they needed to remove the epilepsy factor out in order for the chemo to start. So everything was a bit more well-balanced and there wasn't going to be too much of a risk. And just describe the symptoms. So the symptoms of neurofibromatosis is pretty much when you grow tumours on your central nervous system and also all the senses. Um, So at the moment I have eight tumours down my spine, one at the back of each eye nerve, one in my left hearing nerve, um, one obviously main tumour that's in my head, um, but it attacks basically your central nervous system. Um, so, but most of the tumours that are on your central nervous system are inoperable no matter what because doctors will not go near your central nervous system because it's too dangerous. Um, so they decided, right, we'll do an operation to remove the epileptic tumour. So I spent 20 hours in theatre over two operations um spent over five weeks in a hospital on ward 10 um literally was probably probably one of the darkest kind of periods of my life really going through all that um and it was actually to the point where i was when when it was decided that the operation was going in place, and even you can ask my mum and dad, the mention of surgery or anything to me used to freak me out completely, and I used to burst out crying because I never used to... You, you always see, like, the surgeons on the TV, like, doing their thing, and you're just like, the, can you imagine if that's you on the operating table? And it's, it's amazing what they do, but, oh, my God, it still to this day it freaks me out, no matter what I've been through, mm. still freaks me out. And um, after the operation, I had a few complications. So basically my fits used to start with my right arm twitching and then it would go up my arm and then it would go to the full body, but sometimes it would just stop on my arm. And when I first came out of surgery, 
um, it was all fine. And then when they removed the tumour, they actually affected some of my mobility. So I had to relearn how to walk downstairs, how to walk, how to use my right arm again, um, because literally the whole of my right side of my body was like a computer had been completely shut down. And for some reason, my brain didn't even know it was there. So the months and months of chemotherapy, uh, months and months of radiotherapy, uh, physiotherapy, they managed to get me back to full strength. So now I'm walking, talking, carrying on doing what I'm doing. And then literally a year after the operation, after they weaned me off all my medication, it was decided, right, let's go with this chemotherapy. And I've been on it since October 2014. And I haven't, I've literally been on it since then every four weeks, um, regularly at the hospital down the road. How do you deal with that? Uh, it's it's so difficult because you can't what what happened was obviously when when you're a child they obviously make things a bit more enjoyable and I've only just moved to adult services and I have to admit there's a huge jump between adult because if you go to my chemo clinic I am probably the youngest person there by at least I would say 50 60 years and it's really scary to see but what keeps me going is I know that I've got a system now that is so well organized I will probably be at the hospital for a maximum of four hours uh, on the chemo day and I know that the day before I will have to go for my bloods go and get them sorted, carry on with my life. And then the next morning I'll rock up to the cancer center to have the chemo treatment. They will have my bloods. They'll have everything else that they need. And then they can literally just start infusing me straight away. And then that's it. And then the infusion starts after the infusion ends, remove obviously all the stuff and then carry it. And then I can carry on with whatever day that I have planned for the rest of the day. Obviously, I try not to do too much because um, it is very exhausting. Watch that, yeah. But I don't really feel sick. I kind of get the kind of sickiness feeling that everyone talks about kind of the day after, which I have to have medication for, but I rarely have it because it's not generally... It generally doesn't happen. It happens, like, on the odd occasion, but... Yeah. Apart from that, you just got to keep on going with the mentality. And the more that you believe in what you can accomplish, the more that you will strive to go and accomplish what you can do rather than kind of sit in a corner and just rock back and forth and thinking, what, 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 why me completely? I want to touch on a word that you mentioned earlier, Kian. You won't remember you said this, but you used the word talking. Yes. So I would just like to spend a moment talking to you about uh, a little secret aspiration you've got. Yeah. Kind of a part of your career path. And I should tell everyone that when we first connected, you were in the process of pretty much running from the Birmingham Children's Hospital, where you just received your latest yeah. bout of chemotherapy, to Sainsbury's, to a swimming lesson... <laughs> To practice, I mean, it was, I mean, my head yeah. was spinning, just thinking of all, all the things you were doing.
But one of the things that you would love to do, well, tell everyone, what would you love to do? So that's how I'm connected, really. Yeah. So basically, when obviously I I have quite a busy life in general with trying to mix everything in. So I do work at Sainsbury's in rugby. Um, I do. I am a, a swim assistant at Damantry Leisure Centre where I train at. Um, and I do, and I help my dad's business as well, um, Mr. Sandwich in Coventry. So I, I am a bit all over the place. Um, but my main aspiration in life is to do public speaking for an actual day job. Because when I think to the story that I could tell and how many people I can inspire using that story by literally just describing the history of my life and what I've accomplished is actually quite a good thing. And I don't think anyone has that type of story to tell. Mm. So anything to try and help or anything to try and inspire other people is great. Well, I think you've partly inspired tens of thousands (laughs) of people today already because they're all listening to you. Yeah. But if there's any agents out there listening to this young man, I think you should be signing him up. And we've already been speaking, haven't we, about a couple of gigs we might have to sort out for you. So um, there'll be lots of people um, waiting with bated breath to see you arrive on a stage in front of a conference audience of 10,000 at some stage soon. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we might be seeing you on a big stage next year. Hopefully, hopefully. Kian, I know you listen to the podcast, uh, so you know that one of the questions we ask our guests is to imagine that they are having a conversation with a younger version of themselves. Now, that's quite difficult (laughs) to imagine since you are already the younger version of yourself. Yeah. But let's just imagine there are lots of 18-year-olds out there at the moment listening to you, and they're probably saying, okay, Kian, with all your amazing life experience, what one bit of advice would you give to me to help me find my way in life? So what what my basis of my story is, is talking about having a dream and going for that dream. And that's my kind of bit of my kind of aspect of which I like to tell everyone about, that you need to believe in your dream and go for that dream no matter what. If you, you're going to hit hurdles no matter what, you're going to hit brick walls, you're going to hit loads of stuff no matter what happens but the more you drive and the more you push yourself towards that dream the more chance it's going to come true and that is the main part and that is what I live by to try and carry on and going all the way for that dream no matter what happens no matter what hits me go for that dream any other secret ambitions uh what's next Paralympic swimmer as well, obviously. Got you got, you got, to, got to keep on, got to keep the swimming aspect going. So as well as public speaking, doing, still carrying on with swimming and carry on going through all the way to hopefully 2020 Tokyo or 2024 Paris or 2028 LA, you know, that that's the dream. Carry on going for it. Got it if I don't... If I don't hit Tokyo, I'm going for Paris. If I don't go for Paris, I go for LA. That's that's how it works. Well, Got to keep on going. Kim, good luck to you with with all of those things. I think with your with your attitude and determination and this lovely bright aspect you have to your personality. I mean, I have absolutely zero doubt that you will achieve all the things you 
you set out to achieve. Are there, I mean, obviously, shout out to mum and dad. Of yeah, and, yeah. And sister, even though you fight over the last biscuit. But yeah. you know, that support network that you've got around you clearly is very important. Um, that, like you said, that fierce determination that you've clearly got. Yeah. I'm not sure where it's come from. It's come, does it come from mum or dad or? I don't know where it's come you from. Just, just developed it. I, don't, I think one, one thing that most people don't know about me is when I was at primary school, I was actually bullied quite a lot due to the fact that I was different. And what I think kind of happened was after that experience, I kind of developed like a thick skin that actually I didn't really care about what they thought. As long as I was happy what what I was doing, that's 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 good enough for me. And if anyone and if people out there were not happy with what I was doing, well, I'm doing as long as I'm doing the best that I can and the best at my ability. That's all that matters, really. Yeah. And if if anyone, yeah, obviously people are entitled to their opinion. Freedom of speech is quite a big thing now. But yeah. you know, the, if I if I want to do something, it's that's up to me to do it rather than someone to decide my fate for me absolutely so final thing then because uh, i'm sure there's lots of people who want to find out well short of coming down to uh, to see you at sainsbury's yeah um and catching at birmingham children's hospital and all the other places that you you go um how do we find out a little bit more about you you're on are you on social media yeah i'm on social media so i've got instagram facebook snapchat um all the typical ones um, and it's Kian, K-I-A-N. Yes, K-I-A-N yeah. dot Savile, S-A-V-I-L-L-E. Excellent. Um, and I pretty much, Snapchat, I'm not really, I don't really post on it, but the, I, you can still message me or I might just post the odd couple of things of just where I am. Um, but Facebook and Instagram are the main ones that I really keep informed and really keep up to date with what I'm doing, where I am what competition I'm at. I don't really say when I'm at work, but I can do. Um, but, you know, there's... I don't... I just try and show to people what where I am, what I'm doing, what's going on. Um, keep them informed. Good for you. Well, there's a, a lot of us going to keep a very close watch on what you're yeah. doing. So, um, Kian, unfortunately, time is against us now, but it's been thoroughly inspirational that and amazing been. to meet you the honor's been all mine honestly and um, i'm sure there'll be call outs from people saying you must get that remarkable young man back to have another chat so that might well happen as well yeah um but otherwise i wish you every success with all that you're striving to do um well thank you for health, allowing me on the po- best podcast of, best of health moving forward and uh and may all your dreams come true yeah it's been a, it's been a real pleasure thank it's you it's been a real pleasure thank you That was the Sandro Forte podcast and what an amazing guest Kian Savile was. Truly inspirational. Remember, there are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. So please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some more great tips on success. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's podcast. That's Sandro's with an S. Sorry, I keep going on about it, but people still get it wrong. Same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges or just what motivates you, please email me hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please keep leaving those reviews on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you.